Yo, what's with your boy? It's Opry 706, episode 31 of KTSCF podcast. Uh, we have Adolphus Savage. We're, we're doing a solo dolo or dolo or whatever. What's going on? Duos, yeah, shout out to Fortnite. Duos gang. What's happening? Everything is good. You know, life is lovely. I was able to experience probably one of the greatest season finales I've ever seen. So I'm just hyped, you know? Yes, he is talking about The Mandalorian. We're doing this episode because I was unable to record uh, episode 30, but it was also NBA. I'm not going to lie. I didn't know the season started. Apparently, KD and uh, Kyrie are looking very good early against the Warriors. A lot of people are getting their tweets off saying that if if they stay healthy, they're going to be in the NBA Finals. I'm like, that's cool, but they're just going to lose to LeBron and my Los Angeles Lakers. So shout out to the Lakers. Anywho, so real quick, before we get into the Mandalorian. So I do another podcast called Dirt Burn Nation Report. And I didn't get to go on that podcast either because they recorded yesterday. There was a couple of things I wanted to say, right? Falcons fans, ugh, y'all are mad sensitive, man. And y'all are mad homers. Like, a lot of people are mad that Calvin really didn't make the Pro Bowl and Justin Jefferson did. And my first question was, like, did y'all look at Justin Jefferson's stats? No. Do y'all know who Justin Jefferson's quarterback is? No. Do y'all know who the other receiver on the other side of Justin Jefferson is? No. Okay, then why should Calvin really have made it over him when his stats as a rookie with a terrible quarterback is just as comparable to a third-year starting wide receiver? Like, if anything, you're just kind of telling on yourselves and all these uh, Ridley's uh, wide receiver one truthers are kind of making themselves look stupid because if he has a legit wide receiver one, then how is he not outshining a rookie with a bad quarterback? You know what I'm saying? Like, make it make sense. But, Man, but, the, the, he he's clearly a number two as well because Thielen gets his all the time, even though he's hurt a lot. But yeah, it, it's 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 embarrassing. But even bigger news I want to talk about is that Rich McKay and Arthur Blank have made it clear to whoever the new GM head coaching uh, combination is coming in has the autonomy to move on from Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. So that always has Falcons fans in a tizzy, all up in their feelings. You know what I'm saying? Like, shout out to Josh, the uh, ultimate racist against black quarterbacks and ultimate UGA and Falcons uh, homeboy, fanboy. But what I would say is whatever we got to do to become a consistent playoff team, then you got to do what you got to do. Again, I'm a biggest supporter of Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. They've done great things for the franchise. But they ain't going to be good forever, right? I mean, everybody has their day. I'm not saying that day is next year or the next year or even the next year. But if a new regime comes in and has a vision and has an identity for this team that requires draft capital to build towards that goal, as a Falcons fan – you should appreciate the foresight saying, look, we've been an ident- identityless team for years. We've been the lapping stock of the NFL for at least the last three years. Like it's it's to the point where our own Twitter page makes fun of us and they know we're about to get clowned for blowing leads or embarrassing ourselves. Like, is that how you want to live? Because what's going to happen when Matt Ryan and Julio Jones stop giving us good returns? Now 
instead of having picks and assets to help build a new team quicker, now you're shit out of luck. You ain't got nothing, and you're looking crazy. We don't want to look like a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars who might have a shot, might have a small shot to resurrect their franchise as the Jets have recently won their first game, putting the Jags in the driver's seat for Trevor Lawrence. And I would like to hear Mr. Savage's takes because I've seen a couple of Jags fans shout to Freddie Beats. You know, all the Southern Jags fans against now, they have a chance to get a, uh, a hopefully a, uh, you know, generational talent at quarterback. But what I would say from my time in Jacksonville, living outside of Jacksonville and keeping up with the Jags, even if they do get Trevor Lawrence, unless they clean house to include firing uh, a former Falcons front office guy. You've already fired him. Okay, there we go. David Cowell's out of there. And the coaching staff pretty much starting with a blank slate and a new vision. And I'd even say get new uniforms. Jacksonville is just going to find a way to mess it up. So, but I'm curious. First of all, we've had uniforms at least three times in the last five years. So just pick something and stick with it because it's getting ridiculous. Um, secondly, uh, when you compare to Justin Jefferson to Calvin Ridley uh, for the Pro Bowl, I can kind of see what people's gripe may be um, because Calvin Ridley does have better stats but he has better stats on a worse team, whereas the Minnesota Vikings are in the playoff contention. Um, so, I mean, it happens. You know, James Robinson is third in the league in rushing, or at least top five in rushing, but he's on a team that's 1-13, so who cares? It's empty stats. And that's sometimes the way that you got to think of these things. As far as Jacksonville is concerned, to me, I was going to be happy. Like right now, we're guaranteed to have the one or the two, thanks to the Bengals that won last night or Monday night football. I don't know how to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's crazy, but without a quarterback too. Uh, but having this, and this is the way to me, if I was Atlanta, I'd have to think like, what can you do to make your job the most attractive job? Jacksonville has their first in the league with cap coming up. So they're going to have the most to spend. They have a hole at GM and the coach's contract runs out at the end of the year. They're going to let him coach it out, but he's going to be gone. Plus, you got the number one overall pick and another top 25 pick and two other second picks and one-third and two-fourths. So you're loaded with picks, $100 million, potentially get generational talent. Even if you were the number two pick, Justin Fields, I mean, he had a bad game, but he still looks like a real deal as well. So it's kind of like it, it, it gives you reason to be happy as a Jaguar fan because, you know, if we get Trevor Lawrence in there and he is even half of what they think he is. Like Wig said like a few minutes ago, he was like, from the moment we draft Trevor Lawrence, he's going to show the significance that he has to this franchise. We have never drafted a good quarterback, ever, ever. Atlanta has drafted two. We've drafted zero. The only good quarterback that we had, he was like a castaway on Brett Favre's Packers. And then the other one was a third-round pick in David Garrard, or maybe like a, a low second. And he was okay. He had one year he went 18-3. and three. <coughs> Very pedestrian stats. But, you know, if you're able to get, you know, game-changing picks, like I even look at, to me, and I understand you're a Falcons fan, but God damn, Chase Young looks good. And y'all were in the driver's seat to get this guy. 
and you won some meaningless games, and it's like for what? If you got if you insert him on that team this year, Atlanta's super dynamic on defense. That dude is a problem. No, absolutely not. Hey, absolutely not. Have you watched Washington play? Have you watched Atlanta's secondary play? Right. It doesn't matter. You know what helps the secondary? The pass rush. Well, now, I mean, I was looking to um to lockdown Falcon shot to Aaron Freeman, but he does like really deep dives and analysis on players more than I care to do. And he's like, Chase Young is going to be good, but statistically he's had about the same impact as a Dante Fowler as far as pass rushing. So he has like five sacks, but he said a lot of them are actually, a lot of them are cleanup sacks. It's a lot of hype, man, but I'm not saying he wouldn't have helped us, but we have more problems than I mean y'all do, but getting what I would say is if they would have lost those games, fired the coaching staff, and they got that a different story. So you sure are. Um, but that's great for Atlanta, you know. Um I don't know how you get rid of Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, but I mean, or, or yeah. who would have the the gall to do that? But nobody. Does. I mean, uh, to basically have that to be able to do is great. Um, but yeah, that's that's my whole thing. You know, with Jacksonville, we just hope that we can not jag it up and win this week against the freaking Bears, and then end up with the number two pick, and it'll be perfect. But you know what? I'm gonna say this. Don't be surprised if the Patriots lay down that final game. If it's getting close, I think they'll lay it down. Because if you're a smart coach, one win versus potentially facing Peyton Manning with legs is is what uh, Trevor Lawrence is called. I wouldn't want to do that either. Like, forget it. We'll we'll just lose the game. Sit Cam Newton, whatever. Uh, But, yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on it. So, hooray to Duval. Yeah, and again, you're one of the few people because you have people like Josh who thinks thinks that uh, Justin Fields is just going to be a bust regardless, which I don't understand because this is the same person that evaluated Jake Fromm saying he's going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL and he got drafted after a party. You know what? And this is why, and I'm not trying to talk about him because I know he's a friend of the podcast. He's a, he's a member of the squad. Well, fuck that roast that dude. No, it just it, – people that are so – much homers, you can't even take them serious. It's just like you have to take everything they say with a grain of salt. First of all, from I knew from from at least that second year that he was starting, he was not the dude. He had one good game against Alabama. Other than that, he was extremely pedestrian. Justin Fields was under the impression that he was going to be able to compete to start over him, and it's proven that he's a way better talent than Fromm is. I don't even know where Fromm plays. Like, that's how you relate. He is on the bench on the Bills. Oh, it's the Bills. Okay, I was thinking Kansas yeah. City or something like that. I knew it was AFC, but, you know, you just can't make those those takes. I know we all do it sometimes. We think that this person's good, this person's bad, but you got to take that Georgia bias out of it and do what's best for your team. Like, nah. I mean, you can look at Georgia now. They had to go through, like, three quarterbacks before they found somebody that was decent. And they're pretty much wasting their great defense because they don't have a quarterback who they have on your bench. 70% completion percentage for whatever Georgia politics was going on to not allow him to play. Like that's, that's doing your, 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 your university a disservice as far as like recruiting as well. It's like, well, shoot, like, why would I want to go to Georgia if I'm clearly the better talent and more dynamic and probably gives this team a better chance of being successful. And I got to sit behind this guy. 
Like this dude, that's a six round draft pick. Like get the I'm, no, I'm going somewhere else. Like that's mad. That's mad disrespect. I mean, now to, to the caveat to that. Now Alabama did that. I forgot who they have on their bench, but Alabama has somebody that's supposed to be the next big thing. But Mac Jones was able to kind of fend them off, and he has had a good year. But I mean, you know, and, and actually, it's a lot of people that say that y'all should get Mac Jones or uh, or Trask. I don't know why, but you know, we'll see. Has Georgia even ever won a national championship? Yeah, they won it in '81 or '82 with Herschel Walker. Oh, oh, that well, that one doesn't count then. But it's before the King uh, Herschel Walker. No, I'm good on that. Yeah, but yeah man, it, the, we we go back and forth in the group chat with his biases, man. Like it's <laughs> it's it's quite disgusting, but. Anywho, off the sports, because this is not the sports podcast. Check out Derry Burnish report, The Mandalorian. So if you listen to the podcast, I'm pretty sure, what, two, three episodes ago, I pretty much called how this episode would end, which kind of bothers me in a sense, like, is this show written for, like, children or whatever? Like, I know, I'm curious, like, what the spread is of adults, like, age range, demographic of people who watch this. Like, maybe a kid would be kind of, like, shocked at the ending. But I'm like, look, the way this story is coming together, there's literally only, like, one way this can end. You know what I'm saying? Now, there was a curveball. So if you haven't watched The Mandalorian yet, I don't know why, but spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. You probably shouldn't listen to this podcast. But um, starting out was interesting as they ran up on the sciences, right? And I, I didn't tweet it or say it, but in my head, I'm like, I know it's going to happen. So in the episode prior, when the Mandalorian sent the message to Moff Gideon or whatever, you know, Moff Gideon was like, yo, send the encrypted message to the scientists, whatever, whatever. I'm like, I know somehow they're about to intercept this message and go catch this dude. Sure enough, they intercept the message, catch this dude, and then they make a play on Moff Gideon's ship. Cool. They get on the ship. They get it popping. You know what I'm saying? They link up with the other faux Mandalorians. You know, get the band back together because they got to save the child. You know, you know how it goes. The usual shit. So they get on the ship. They get to do the thing. Uh, the Mandalorian's getting clapped by the uh, Rock'em Sock'em robot. The Dark Saber, Dark Soldiers, whatever they're called. The the Negro Stormtroopers. Yeah. He's getting fucking head busted in. I'm like, yo, man, he's going to have like a concussion. Definitely PTSD, but he slithers out of that. Whatever. Makes his way to Grogu. Okay, cool. grab the best cars, able to kill them. Yeah, you know, kind of preluded to this battle. We knew that was coming uh, between Moff Gideon and ultimately uh, the Mandalorian or Din Djarin. But now, one thing that was kind of skipped was I forgot the girl Mandalorian's name, not the Sasha Banks character, but my uh, wife was a terrible actress. I was like, she's not an actress; she's a wrestler. But y'all should. They she had said in the beginning that she needed to be the one to make Moff Gideon surrender, and she made a point to make that uh statement. So we do get to the fight. Um, before that, once again, they kind of knew how powerful the Beskar was, uh, the Beskar spear. Um, of course, he was able to defeat Moff Gideon. My thing is, why would you not kill him? But you know, whatever. I, I, yeah, it serves its purpose. It's a Disney show, man. We can't have yeah, it serves its purpose, but you know, because ultimately, I know what he came to do after the fact. But 
So he he gets them. He get he you know powers back. The dark saber is supposed to be you know so strong, but of course it can't cut through pure Beskar. In case you don't know, of course Beskar is what the Mandalorian sh uh, shield is made out of. Some of them have some Beskar, but his new suit is pure Beskar. So you know he's he's untouchable in that regard. Um, and we get to the part where I think Moff Gideon did service purpose where the redheaded Mandalorian girl and Din Djarin was going to pass her the dark saber because he didn't care. Like he was just like son back, you know, so I just want to see my kids. And so he was about to hand it to her. Of course, Moff Gideon was like, no, that's not how it goes. She wasn't going to say a, a single word. She was going to take it, restore the throne back to the Mandal to Mandalore. Um, but she couldn't take it because you have to win it with honor in battle. And of course, he made Moff Gideon, um, you know, bow down for some weird reason. Well, but I'll let you take over from what, there. What pause there? Like, what does she? What does she have to gain by not letting him know that? Like, I don't. Like, clearly, the Mandalorian did, doesn't care about being the King Mandalorian person. Like, like you said, all he wanted to do was kick it with his kid. Like, she'd have said that they probably could have maybe organized a better battle plan. Because usually with, with fights and whatnot, they're not going to go how you plan. But, like, it, this is to him. It's just like, yo, why are we doing this? I don't care. I yield. Yeah. Take the sword. I got to go. I got to go do some stuff. And now she's all in the tizzy because now she, in her head, she's trying to figure out ways to, how to defeat him in combat. Which you, know, you, you can actually tell on her face, too, that she was mad about it. Like, she, she did. I mean, she's not that great of an actress, but she was able to portray some negative energy about that. When Moff Gideon said that, she looked like, this motherfucker, like, I told you not to do this, but, you know, yeah, it, it happened that way. I guess uh, Marcus in the chat is saying, uh, I guess it's a, re a religious thing. Why does Mando, what does Mando gain from not taking off his helmet? And it's, well, it's just a different sector of the Mandalorians. I guess the Knights of Mandalore or whatever the girl and Sasha Banks are, they do take their helmet off and on. I'm not going to mention Boba Fett because he's a clone and he's not technically a real Mandalorian, but he earned the suit, so he wears the suit. And of course, Din Djarin and his people, you know, they do believe that you don't you don't show your face at all, period. So, I mean, I get it, you know, and it's, it's a code of honor, but if Moff Gideon was dead, she wasn't going to say nothing. She was going to take it. And I do feel like if she would have had conveyed that message instead of just saying, yeah, well, you know, let me take care of Moff Gideon um, because I need this, then he would have been like, okay, well, cool. Here, here's the Beskar spear. You know, you come with me. I'll let you fight him. You get your sword, blah, blah, blah. We're gone. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I didn't get that for some reason. So I'm looking at the cheat sheet.com and it's saying, talking about the Darksaber, um, it says when the Dark Saber is first brought into the scene, it's in Star Wars: The Clone Wars season two, which I've said before. Disney Plus kind of did a good job with kind of making people want to double back to watch Clone Wars, which is on Disney Plus. Like I've clowned Disney Plus multiple times on this podcast, which I went back and apologized two episodes ago because they look like they're about to beat our heads in with this Marvel content and also give the Mandalorian a, a well-needed break, hopefully. But it's saying the Darksaber was first brought into the scene in Star Wars The Clone Wars Season 2 when Pre Visla was introduced. 
He's the leader of the Death Watch radical terrorist group of Mandalorians that Bo-Katan was a part of. He loses the weapon to Darth Maul in a battle later in the series, which is when Bo-Katan leaves the group and seeks to gain Mandalore back. So it's a little more backstory on this Dark Saber. Let's see. And I do like how they did include Darth Maul back into the mix. So that was a very popular uh, character from like the Phantom Menace and the early 2000s uh, prequel to the 70s Star Wars, 70s and 80s. So it's kind of good how they do tie some of that back, but then it, it creates gaps. Like if anybody can recall if you're a Star Wars fan, like Cuz got chopped in half. How is he still alive? And he fell to his death. Like I, I don't get that. But, you know, yeah, they're 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 saying they're gonna do some explaining because again, it, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. That that's that's one of the things with the story. I mean, as you can see with like technology in that age, you can make whatever you want happen. Like the the one chick, the one assassin chick had her guts all mechanical and shit. So I don't know. Maybe they dug his ass up and put him back together. Anything is possible, but. Um, so you get to the end of the episode, I guess the climax. So, of course, when I was watching it with the dark uh, troopers, when they got thrown out the window, I was like, oh, it's mad convenient. There's like a, a hatch right there to launch them into space. Like, that was a little too easy. So at the end, when they pull back up, I'm like, oh, yeah, I knew this was going to happen. Um, and, and, you, and you see how it's set up, man. Like, if the Mandalorian himself struggled with one dark trooper, there is no way without any outside help they were going to take down like 40 of them. It was it was impossible. So you knew that it had to be somebody else more powerful coming in to help them. It's not going to be any type of human or alien or droid that we've seen up to this point. The only logical answer would be a Jedi. So I thought it was going to be Rosaria, Rosaria Dawson's character coming back. But to my surprise, spoiler alert, and again, I was talking to Dobbs about this. It didn't register in my head that it was Luke Skywalker until I saw his face. I was mad confused. I was like, what the fuck? Like, how is this? How, how are we here? But I, I guess I wasn't paying too much attention with the timeline. Or it just it didn't it didn't register in my mind where they were at in the timeline with the Star Wars story. So apparently the Star Wars this story is like five years after Return of the Jedi. I thought it was a little further down the line. Yeah, yeah, same, Marcus. I yeah, me too. After maybe my brain was polluted after watching that last terrible trilogy that they should have never made because that shit was ass. Like those movies are terrible. It's sad that a TV show is better than three pilot produced movies, but I mean, I, I get how that could work. But yeah, Luke pulled up and he decided to father Grogu, which I am happy now that he is out of the show. I am I am ecstatic they got this 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 mongrel out of the show because. It takes away from what the show could be. I'm sick of Baby Yoda. I'm sick of all the toys. I'm sick of the kids. Flush out the story. Give us a better storyline. Continue to build us a storyline that's not centered around Baby Yoda. Because as we talked about, the more he got popular, the more they had to force things into the show of him doing, quote, unquote, cute stuff and Baby Yoda stuff. I don't want to see that. Making noises and all that. Yeah. If they want to spin off and do, you know, Grogu shorts or something like that for the kids, Sure, but I feel like there's more adults watching the show than kids. So give us what we want. Now we have some intriguing storyline going forward with the Darksaber, uh, Mandalore, 
I mean, <clears throat> there could be still people out trying to get the Mandalorian. I, I don't know. You could bounce back, Grogu back into the fold, maybe introduce new Jedi's. There's a lot they can do. So I hope they really take time and are not forced to rush a season. But if it was me, I definitely would say first, when I seen the X-Wing pull up, I already knew what time it was. Now, prior to the episode, it was a couple of different Jedis that I thought it would be. I didn't think it'd be Rosario Dawson's character um, just because she had experience with Anakin. So she knew once she can sense, you know, like, his attachment that he could potentially be, you know, a Sith instead of a Jedi. Uh, so I thought it was going to be Mace Window or um, Luke Skywalker were my, my top two choices. But then I was like, I don't know if they'll bring in Samuel Jackson. That just seems way over the top. But the thing I did like, I did like how they kind of referenced the scene from Rogue One when Vader hit that ship, he was tearing them good guys up. Like that he it was just really him, all black with that red saber, and he was just, just tearing them up. So, you know, it was nice to see Luke kind of doing the same thing. The only thing that I kind of hate about it is at this point, now you're kind of like, okay, well, if you did pay attention to the actual canon of 789, then you're going to be looking at, okay, Ben Solo at some point killed all the rest of the people in Luke Skywalker's academy. So it's like, okay, did Grogu, is he going to only be there? Because that's only 27 years from where we're at now. So it kind of just makes it look like, okay, well, did Grogu leave in 27 years? That make him 77, still kind of young? Or is he a part of the Sith? Or like, what's going to happen with him? Uh, it's going to be the next big thing. I think if it was me, I probably would leave Grogu out like for the entire next season, maybe until like the last episode. I will focus on them trying to restore Mandalore and doing what they need to do and just having little small battles in between. So I feel like it's a lot that you can do with that. And I do agree with you, South Breeze. I feel like we do kind of need a break from the Baby Yoda stuff because I can say over the last six episodes at least, or at least since he's become wildly popular, there would be just random things of him doing stuff, like them shooting the thing where he's like obsessed with the ball and he's cooing and all that, or when he stole the cookies and used his force stuff for that. You know, it's just like, what the, who cares? What, what does this have to do with anything? We know he's force sensitive, so you show him in class stealing cookies from a kid. Whoop-de-doo. And now he has a mess of cookies on himself. They were doing stuff like that, and I agree with you. It's it, it takes away from the story. So it's kind of good to kind of get him out of the way so we can focus back on the real things that are going on within the show. To me, it was an awesome show. Like I was so glad to see Luke get a chance to do his thing, uh, to show off his powers. I know people were kind of complaining because – you know, the CGI, but it's like, what, what else? Did y'all just want to get a fake actor? Or like, I don't know. Actually, uh, I don't like that they did that because you could kind of, it kind of limits you in the future. It kind of pigeonholes you where you can't really do extended scenes that look realistic unless you have them with the hood. I'm going to send you a picture of what they should have if this is legit or could have done with Luke Skywalker's character. 
I just send it to your text. Because now, the, and, and, and he works for the company. You know what I'm saying? He's he's there. And the CGI did look good, but again, for extended scenes, like you, it's not the same. If you want to have extended dialogue and stuff like that, I don't, it doesn't look real. I mean, you still could have had uh, Mark Hamill voice Luke Skywalker and just have this guy show his face. I mean, I, I get it. They look damn near identical, so it would have worked. There's Instead, a- like you said, we're going to get this where it's going to just be kind of limited, but I, I just hope that they don't really touch baby Yoda and Luke Skywalker storyline at all until it's time to bring him back. You know, he came back because of this reason. I hope when he comes back, he's actually much stronger because it's kind of stupid that, okay, he's so force sensitive, but he uses the force for three and a half seconds and then he sleeps for days. So, like, Adolph has buried the lead. Who they should have used, I'm about to tweet it out. They should have used Sebastian Stan, who plays the Winter Soldier. Because as far as like with the, the face swaps, where they did on Twitter, them cats almost look identical. Like, and that and that gives you more to work with if you want to flesh out a side episode with those two showing them training. Like I get the CGI is good. But if you have somebody that looks like the person, and that's what you do with movies when people are old anyways. You find a character that looks like and you roll with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, let me tweet this out. And that probably would have been the best bet. I mean, uh, I do think that Sebastian Stan physically would be a little bit too big because Mark Hamill's a small dude. So you just give him, give him a bigger robe. Give him a bigger uh, Jedi robe. You know what I'm saying? Hey, it could work. To slim it down, Marcus said, "Imagine if Marvel did that for Chadwick from one seeing Black Panther two to explain why he won't be back." Uh, yeah, I think I think Mar I think Disney is being way too emotional with the whole Black Panther thing. Like I, I think I feel like if like Chadwick Boseman R.I.P. was like a piece of shit, nobody would care. They just be like, "All right, yeah, we've been looking for an opportunity to swap him out," but. I didn't. He should have gave his blessings to move on too. I don't know if he ever did or what, but you know, you know, it's imminent. Once you get down to your final days, give, give us your blessings to move on. I mean, so I feel like that's like the last thing on his mind, but you know, I right. mean, it, it probably was, but I mean, you know, he 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 knew how significant that role was, and he knew, you know, if you had if you're in stage four cancer, you know what's up. Like I, I'm not gonna sit here and cap Alex Trebek knew the end was coming for years. Like you're at stage four. You're you're it's in game for you. And I'm not trying to be funny, but I do kind of in a way now that he has passed on, it's like, okay, so we're just gonna scrap this entire story and go with something completely different. But I'm not gonna go on a tangent about Black Panther and what they should do because this is about the Mandalorian. I definitely do think that they have pigeonholed themselves uh, by doing this because this was also an opportunity because it was like 30, 30, 35 years from Return of the Jedi to we seen him in Last Skywalker and the rest of those that last, you know, three movies. So it's like, well, what the hell is he doing this entire time? And how did he become a hermit? It's a lot of stories that could kind of be explained. If you make this switch here and just have it going forward, now you can branch off and do something different because those last three movies were just so bad. There are people that argue every day they should be removed from canon. Like <laughs> it, it, because they, they just were like, first of all, 
how is Ray the savior and the last Skywalker, but she's Palpatine's child? And he was a Sith. That has nothing to do with Skywalker. That that just didn't make sense. Hey, hey man. I you know, I know we went, this, we went through this whole battle of, of Kylo Ren and building him and hyping him up to the kids for him just to die and appear to be weak the entire time. It's like I, I've went back and kind of watched a lot of it. And I even hey. went back to the kind of the Jedi. And I'm like, wow, you know what? This story, I mean, although you know, throwing Palpatine over the bridge. And then dying because of that, that looked really weak, but it was in the 80s, so we excused it. But the storyline itself was so great. And then we fast forwarded to the last few years with the storyline they tried to kind of redo, and it just was stupid. It didn't make sense. Yeah, it's, you know, I, it takes a year for freaking Ray to be the strongest Jedi of all time, but Anakin trained well, he was half android and trained for almost 30 years. And he, you know, and he's the chosen one, and Luke's his son. But you're the most powerful Jedi of all time in a year. Okay, nigga. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's. I think, I think some of the complaints was that once Disney took hold of it, and they kind of started doing other things. I think Disney's only concerned about the bag, because again, they literally almost just rehashed the same story. Like, hey. Let's make the villain or the pseudo villain a guy with a black suit and a red lightsaber. Hmm, who does that remind fans of? Hey, let's bring back Harrison Ford to play his role again 80 years later. Hey, let's bring Carrie Fisher RIP back to play her same role. Like it's just it's just lazy, it's just lazy film writing. It's a it's a money grab. And it's a it's an easy money grab. It worked because they got my money, but as far as like the story, it was trash. I, I think that's one of the reasons that I predict that the Marvel series will be successful because, again, they, they pretty much explain it as movies broken into smaller parts, which, again, when you have a film, you only have so much time to get in, you know, character development, plot, and what the story is and actually move through your hour to, at the max, like three hours to tell a complete story with, you know, a variety of characters, which is tough. But I mean, they they could have did better than that. They 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 didn't care. Like I don't know, take your time and do your best to write a good story. Oh, I don't want to see trash on the screen. That's that's kind of what turned me off to watching movies. A lot of movies are just bad or they're just like rehashes of old movies. Like give us give me new content, man. I don't want to see you know, Fast and the Furious 13 or a remake of the remake of the remake. Like, give me, give me good content, man. But yeah, I don't know. Just let us yeah, know. And then we, yeah, and then we sit here and just completely redo the story over and over again. The Fast and the Furious, that's a whole nother episode that needs to be deep dived yeah, in because that, that's just ass. That shit is hella ass. It's hella cheeks. Um, so we hit the Mandalorian. Uh, there's a I, there's some random stuff I want to get off my chest so I can delete them out of my bookmarks, and we're gonna pivot back to sports real quick. I'm not gonna read the article because I don't care that much. But Randy Moss at some point said, "I'm the best receiver ever." Tia was second, Jerry Rice is third or fourth. Mr. Savage, being a uh, native of Mississippi, how, how do you feel about that? 
Yeah, first of all, I'm not a mate. I was born there, but I think I get where Randy's coming from. Yes. To me, under no circumstances is T.O. number two. Wait a second. But, you could argue it. I mean, you can, but, bruh, the, them members are, are godly or otherworld in a non-passing league at the time as well. That was back when people were rushing. But, I mean, you know, th- just – it's the same argument that people have about your Jordans, your Bill Russell, your Robert Ory. Like you can't say one person is all time great and then discount other people if you're doing statistics, if you're doing rings. Um, so with that being said, Randy Moss, Calvin Johnson, from a talent perspective, they were unmatched. Like, you know, and, and I, for me, personal preference, I'm a T.O. guy because I'd rather have a guy that could beat you deep and that can slice you up down low and do everything. Right. I would T.O. take like a slant 80 yards, dog. I was like, oh, my. Yeah, God. that's what I'm saying. And Moss kind of was a one-trick pony in a way. But he was damn good at that one trick. But I get what you're trying to say, but it's like, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, Mr. Popeye's chicken helmet. You yeah, know, man. Hell no. He deserves his respect, man. I don't know. Maybe because I didn't see it in that era, but the way that like the way that it's framed is the greatest of all time. They need to change the whole GOAT moniker thing, right? And not just that. Before uh, Brady got uh, five and six, he was considered the greatest football player of all time. Like just flat, not just wide receiver, the greatest football right. player of all time. Go ahead. Uh, so they need to, they can't make it of all time. Just be like, yo, he's the greatest wide receiver. Because when you say all time, again, it literally says all the time. And the way that my brain works is if it's all time, I'm lining these players up on a draft board saying, who would I take first? I am under zero circumstances taking a wide receiver that runs a 4-6-40 over the Julio Joneses, the Randy Mosses of the world. Like, it, it's disgusting. You'd be a fool to do that. Because if you're saying all-time, that means he's going to have to go up against other all-time athletes. So if you're putting Jerry Rice up against what Deion Sanders like, I don't know. Maybe he'll cook it, maybe he won't. I mean, I agree with you, but, I mean, that's why we have to say you have to differentiate the greatest talent of all time, the greatest statistically of all time, the greatest champion of all times. It's levels to that because at the end of the day, you're right. If if I had the opportunity, even with hindsight being 2020 and all that he's done, I know I'm not taking Jerry Rice in my top five receivers. If, if I had to build a top five, there, there's an easy. No, I'm talking about just receivers. He he would make my top ten in receivers. Okay. Um, because I mean. If you're talking about, okay, well, yeah, he worked hard. He's a great route runner. Antonio Brown is a great route runner. He worked hard. He got touchdowns. He did what he needed to do. I'd probably be willing to take him. I'm going to take Julio Jones over him. I'm going to take Calvin Johnson over him. I'm going to take T.O. I'm going to take Randy Moss. So there's my five right there with ease. Like, I didn't even struggle. I'd probably take B-Hop over him. I'd probably take Fitz over him. You're gonna take lesser athletes. You would probably, I'd probably say Larry Fitzgerald. You know, what I'm saying Larry Fitzgerald wasn't. I mean, he had speed at some point, but he's not looked at as like. Yeah, he's uh, like a four or five guy, I believe. Has yeah. he's not that fast. 
Yeah, but I mean, he's a great route runner. Yeah. You know, he's got good hands, whoop-de-doo. But, you know, even with Fitzgerald, there's quite a few guys I'd rather have over him. Now, I understand speed and athletics, they don't they don't always translate. I mean, shoot, the Jaguars have Chris Conley. He's a 4'3", 42-inch vert guy from Georgia, of course, and he sucks. But, you know, sometimes it translates, sometimes it doesn't. But a 4'6", you're 6'3", you're not physically imposing, you're just a hard worker and a great route runner. Same argument can be said about Emmett Smith. And it's like with Emmett Smith, it seems like a lot of, a lot of people are more rational about it because you look at Emmett Smith, he does not have the talent of Bo Jackson. He does not have the talent of Barry Sanders. He does not have the talent of Fred Taylor. He does like he doesn't have the talent, but he put in the work. He was healthy for the longest, and he has the record. And so played behind a great line. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like played behind a great line too. So he did a, a great line. Same with Zeke. Now he plays behind a great line. So I do think it has to be levels to that. Like for some reason, people understand that Aaron Rodgers has one of the greatest arm talents of all time. And some people call him a goat, but it's like, he doesn't, I'm not taking Aaron Rodgers over Tom Brady. And I'm not even a Tom Brady fan. I'm not taking him over Manning. I'm not taking him over Elway for what it's worth. You know, it's just a lot of people that I'm I'm not going to take them over. I understand he has great arm talent. So it's like, why can't we just use that with the wide receivers too? Like, if you think of wide receivers, the first person you're thinking of is Randy Moss. You got Moss. Like, yeah, nobody said you got Rice. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's ridiculous. But I, I blame the mainstream media or whatever, like ESPNs of the world that – put out this propaganda to get fans in the tizzy and argue and, you know, engage with them. So I get it. It's really just stupidity, but anywho, I think we hit all our points. I smell some chicken downstairs. I'm kind of hungry. Uh, you got any shout outs? No, no shout outs this week. Um, everybody just have a good Christmas, great holidays. I mean, I know we'll probably check back in, before the new year, but um, you know, I'd be interested to hear anybody's goals for the new year. Yeah, oh yeah, I hope everybody's doing what they got to do health wise. Um, you know, I I know people have reached out and they kind of want to know the person that I have uh, dissed or whatever on the past couple episodes. And my train of thought to that is, at the end of the day, that's the past. Now it's in the review. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Like, who you fuck ain't gonna make me come. So. Y'all be easy. Get your mind correct. Check out KTSE Avenue. Leave some freaking reviews. Share it with your friends. You know what I'm saying? Let's let's get to it. Yeah, that's probably going to be one of the emphasis for, for next year. I mean, we'll probably talk about it at some point. But, yeah, definitely appreciate y'all to rock with us. Shout out to Mr. Alexius. He's uh, dropping the book soon. So we hope we get to talk to him about that when that drops. Definitely got some big things planned for 2021. Uh, you know, continue the the grind of, of you know, forming the community podcast, KTSCF, and just kind of let people know the, the the work that we put in and the consistency we put in versus, you know, the, the other podcasts out there. No shade, but I think we have one of the more diverse, consistent podcasts out there. We just need to, you know, get the word out. But anyway, appreciate y'all checking us out. Like I said, leave a comment, drop a review, hit us up on Twitter. This is KTSCF. Yeah, peace.